And we're back. Mike Cernovich, Cernovich.com with book review. And more than a book review, we're going to talk about an important psychological concept that gets tossed around a lot, but most people don't fully understand. They haven't fully internalized with themselves. Before we do, a word from the sponsor. Use coupon code GM10 to save 10% at GorillaMind.com. GorillaMind.com has the best, most intense, definitely the most intense. Uh, Rush is actually a little bit too intense for me, but when I really need an extra oomph, I take Rush. And on a normal day, I just take Smooth, which is a little bit more, it's like mood boosting. Rush, though, is pretty hardcore, pretty intense. There's also a skincare serum that's better than anything you're going to find. I mean, the price isn't even close. It's like 150 bucks at spas. It's 15 bucks at GorillaMind.com, three for 30. Rush, though, is what everybody loves. And you can save 10% with coupon code GM10 at checkout. Okay, we're back. Hope you enjoyed the plug. But When Prophecy Fails is an important book. For a number of reasons, and I'll tell you why. So cognitive dissonance and when prophecy fails are connected because when prophecy fails is a book about doomsday cults. There was a, you know, we in our time we've dealt with a couple. One was they 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 all wore Nike shoes. You remember that, and then they committed uh, suicide. That was I think when I was in high school. Heaven's Gate cult. But you get them from time to time, and unfortunately, those people committed suicide, but usually they don't. What they do is tell you, you got to join our group. The world is going to end on a certain date. Let's say, for example, the world is going to end November 1st, 2020. You better get here. Now it's going to end. So you all get there. You're with your friends. You're holding hands. You're chanting. You're praying. You're doing whatever it is that people in cults do. And then what do you do? You find out that nothing happens and you survive. Before I read this book, When Prophecy Fails, if you had asked me as a young man, I'm 42, if you had asked me as a young man, young Mike Cernovich, you believe in rationality. You're a, you're a smart guy. You've read Aristotle. You've done your syllogisms. You can identify the six major fallacies of a categorical syllogism. You know what the fallacy of the undistributed middle is of the syllogism? What do you think people do if they're in a doomsday cult and they're supposed to die on a day because the world's going to end and the world doesn't end? And I would say, well, I imagine they would say, well, son of a gun, I was wrong. New evidence has shown that I was wrong. And hey, that's life. Sometimes you're wrong. Well, that would that was a very naive viewpoint that I had. That was when I used to believe in more logic. When I was in college, undergrads, uh, philosophy, for example, you'd read about David Hume and the human idea of we're just preferences and we have a preference and then we rationalize our preferences ex post facto. And I was like, no, we're logical. We're planned. We're deliberate. Because we're goal setters, right? And so I was—I would just wrestle with the concept. And then I studied, of course, this book. Shout out to Norm Pattis, by the way. If you think I give good book recommendations, Norm Pattis, just even better. He's one of the only people I get book recommendations from. And th- thankfully, he gets them from me. 
So I read this book because of him as well as The Sociopath Next Door and a number of important books 10, 15 years ago that really changed my worldview. What actually happens when the world-ending event doesn't happen is people double down. They say, well, here's, here's for example, what this cult said. Well, the, the master, the cult leader says, well, you know, I just got word from the, the God that was going to destroy the earth. And he said that because we were all here and we held space, our energy was so powerful that we stopped the world from ending. And everybody goes, yeah, woo, we saved the planet. <laughs> so if you're an outside observer, you're like, well, that's absurd. But is it really? Is it really? And I'll tell you that it's not because in your own life, you believe absurd things about yourself. You get played and you don't want to admit it. And that's because of the concept of cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance, just the, the back of the envelope writing is in the field of psychology, cognitive dissonance is a mental discomfort, psychological stress experienced by a person who holds two or more contradictory beliefs, attitudes, or values. This discomfort is triggered by a situation in which a person's belief clashes with new evidence perceived by the person. When confronted with facts that contradict beliefs, ideas, and values, people are trying to find a way to resolve the contradiction to reduce this discomfort. There's a classic example. A good person does a bad thing. What do you do? Well, the what 90% of people do is they ignore the bad thing because the person's a good person. Good people can never do something bad. They ignore the bad thing. Or they now conclude that the good person is now bad based on one mistake. You see this a lot in, in your own life, really, where you define yourself by your lowest moment. The worst thing you've ever done becomes your whole identity and cognitive dissonance has something to do with that in your worldview. And we'll talk about why that is. So, you know, a good guy lived straight and narrow, does one bad thing. Now you, he must be evil or you pretend it didn't happen even when it did happen. And the power of learning about these concepts is you can just realize that you can retrain your mind to hold contradictory beliefs about people or seemingly contradictory beliefs about people. There are people, this happened, I don't want to politicize the podcast, even though, you know, most of you vote one way, but I don't want to say, well, because they always say, well, how could anybody support Trump? He's not moral. And you're like, well, I mean, you don't vote for political. <laughs> this is me, my view. I don't vote for people who are moral. I don't think Obama was moral. I don't think George W. Bush reform was moral. I don't think the kind of people who run for office are particularly moral people. So when you tell me, look at this moral, I'm like, I, yeah, I know. I mean, he's immoral. Now, most hardcore Trump supporters get mad when I say that. How dare you? This is, he promises, made promises, kept. How dare you? And I'm like, well, you're cognitive dissonance. You just can't accept that you support someone who's immoral. Whereas me, I've just accepted like, okay, people who are immoral can still do the right thing or make the decisions that you agree with or don't agree with. We saw cognitive dissonance on a mass scale when Trump won. People just couldn't say, well, I thought Trump was going to lose for sure. Thought he's going to lose. Got it wrong. Why did I get it wrong? Let's examine why I got it wrong and then upgrade my mental software. And instead, they immediately went to Russia, Russia collusion. And again, I don't want those of you who are on the left-hand side and any mention of Trump, you know, freaks you out, gives you the hives. I'm just telling you, though, if he gives you the hives, why is that, right? Why'd you miss it? 
Did you upgrade your moral software? Your, your software, most people didn't. The mental software, rather, and not the moral software. And here's the reason why. The cognitive dissonance was triggered. In your mind, and this has been shown by you know Kahneman and others, I did a great book review with Ben Askren, actually, of the USC about uh, thinking fast and slow. Is in your mind, you believe you're a better than average thinker. Just everybody here. If I polled you, 99% of you would believe you're better than average thinker. Now, the good news is that if you're listening to a Cernovich podcast and you can have the attention span to grasp the conversations that we have and to, to keep on point, then you probably are. But even if you were listening to garbage or, you know, gutter to your stuff, I could pull people who watch the Emmys and they would all say, I'm, I'm above average. I'm more moral than average, better driver than that. Nobody says I'm below average or anything. Because of cognitive dissonance. Me, I don't have any problem, you know, admitting when I'm lower than average on something. Because cognitive dissonance doesn't kick in. And here's what I mean. When you, there's a contradiction and seeming a contradiction, a paradox it seems like. And what I teach and what we talk about. I say, believe in yourself to the point of self-delusion. But then I also say, but be realistic. About yourself. Well, how, is, how can I believe myself the delusion but be realistic, right? There's that constant tension. The same concept is here with your ego. You should believe you're better than average and strive to be better than average and strive to be elite. But if you believe that about yourself in a way that's unwavering, then you're not going to admit when you got played and you're going to get yourself into a lot of trouble. Classic example is the old, should I tell my best friend that his girlfriend is bad for him. No. Why? Because he's not your friend anymore. I've been asked that question many, many, many times. In some cases where the girlfriend's cheating on the guy, and people say, well, I know for a fact my girlfriend's, or I know for a fact that my best friend's girlfriend's cheating on him. I got pictures. Should I show it to him? And I say, well, if you don't want him to be your friend anymore, you should definitely show it to him. But if you want him to remain a friend, you shouldn't. What? That doesn't make any sense. Well, <laughs> I'm 42. All right. I've seen this. You're, this is not a novel situation. And everyone here listening has probably been in this situation before where maybe they knew something was off and they didn't you know, believe it because of your delusion. And you just once you reach a certain age, you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, you don't tell your friend that because that's going to end the friendship. Why? Because she'll say I didn't do it. And cognitive dissonance kicks in because, well, I'm too important to be cheated on. Right. That's the underlying belief is just, it couldn't happen to me. This is what everybody believes. It couldn't happen to me. Therefore, the evidence you're showing me is making me feel pain because this couldn't happen to me. And therefore, I do not believe you. And I do not believe any evidence you show me. This is, this is cult thinking, the cult mindset. Cults have been shown and you can't deprogram people by giving them evidence, by debunking the cult. It just doesn't work. It's empirical fact. You can say, well, it can't be right. It's just empirical fact. You're, just, you're wrong, right? I remember, for example, uh, I do a podcast with Mike Bolin, great podcast, Mindset Squared. And we were having dinner in Napa. It was a lovely dinner. And you know, he flew me up and everything because we were having an event. We held a great cigar night. And he said, you know, Mike, I, you know, I'm in this group and you know, there's 450 people pay $149 a month. And I said, no, they don't. He's like, My, but I know they do. I'm like, okay, they, they don't. And it didn't get like, we weren't like, didn't get mean or anything. Cause I was just like, well, it's just, they're not. And then 
he came out to Romania, another event, and he's like, oh, hey, by the way, remember you told me that that guy couldn't possibly have had 450 members? I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, well, yeah, turns out he had a falling out with his assistant, and the assistant put him on blast, and it turns out that most of them were bots or people paid from, like, farms in the Philippines, um, their server farms, their form. And I was like, yeah. And he just laughed because what I told him is what I'm telling you is that, no, you don't tell your best friend if his girlfriend's cheating on him unless you want to lose a friend. This is just empirical. You don't debunk a cult and then people leave the cult. You don't argue with people. People go, and I don't argue politics with people. Why? Because they have a cult thinking. We've reached a point of mass hysteria where everybody's a cult. It's like a cult member. So people who are pro-Trump can't accept he ever did anything wrong. People who are anti-Trump can't accept that he ever did anything or anything right. And they pretend like they haven't made predictions that didn't come true. So how can you avoid all this? Well, one is, you know, ego. I, Ryan Holiday has a book about ego. I haven't read it. But I imagine that you just, you have to, this is what I learned. You have to separate your self or your identity or that I, capital I, from your beliefs about the world. So beliefs about the world, in my view, are just useful and helpful or not useful and damaging. So my ego is not caught up into what I believe. So if you told me, so for example, when I was a younger man, I used to believe in the American system. And then the bailouts happened and I noticed that John McCain and Barack Obama both quit their campaigns to go to Washington to give a bunch of money to Wall Street. I was very angry. It was a difficult time in my life because when you're initially what you believe about the world, if it's wrapped up in your ego and your identity, you will feel great pain. Great, You'll be very angry. This is why when men get divorced, they become very angry. Most of them become bitter. And I just, I don't cater to that market. I don't talk to them because I just don't want to be around angry people. I wouldn't have been around myself um, probably when I was that age because I, I was never into the anger stuff. I never liked the the talk radio, like whatever people say about my, my podcast and my reputation, like find me being angry. I've done this for what years? How long have been, how long you been listening to this podcast for? I think we started at 13, maybe I don't know, 11. I don't know, but I started this years ago with a good friend and before podcasting was big years and years ago, maybe 13, whatever point is that even when I've said very offensive things to people, it's always been like laughing. You never actually heard me angry. That's why people, when they edit audio me, they make it like a growl and they have to add ominous music because I just, I've never been an angry person in, in my writing, at least when I became, there was some very angry writing that I did at Crime and Federalism just because the, I realized the legal system was rigged against a common man and common woman and that angered me and I realized there's nothing I could do about it which went to my ego at the time. I didn't know these things because I'm teaching you how to work things out. I only talk about myself to teach you the issues and how to work them out on yourself. So for me, but now I'm at a higher level of consciousness where I know I can change it, but just not the ways I thought. So when you're a young man or a young woman with a lot of talent, a lot of spark, a lot of energy, you think you can just change the system. And then you become demoralized when you realize you can't. But then when you go through that demoralized phase, you come out the other side and realize you can, but just not the ways you thought you could because your own ego is like, I'm going to change the world. Well, no, but you can change a little piece at a time. You can change a person's life at a time. You know, you can help one person at a time and that's how you do it ripples. 
But that you don't want to hear that when you're 25. You want to hear, I'm going to go in and just change how everything is done. And that's, by the way, it's a good, you should feel that way. Because if you don't feel that way, you won't do anything, right? I've been listening to some Mac Miller lyrics uh, lately because I didn't realize he was such a good freestyler. And, you know, maybe I should post some lyrics at the next podcast. But, you, you know, he said he's sitting on the balcony thinking everything can be his. Well, you want to think like that. If you're, especially if you're a young man, young woman, if you're sitting on your balcony, even if it's your rental apartment, and you look out on the world, you should want to think everything could be yours. Because if you don't think that, you won't do anything. You'll you'll die. There was a show, a show Firefly I liked in Serenity, and one of the subplots of it was with this group called the Reavers, and they, to calm the populace, the, the powers that be, the deep state, whatever you call it, gave the population something to give them happiness. But the people became so happy and content that they all died because they didn't get out of bed. So if you have no ego at all, you're just, you would shrivel up and die. If you don't believe in yourself and you don't believe that you matter, you you will actually commit suicide most likely. And it's been shown in a lot of these places, just the idea that getting up matter, what I do matters. It's been shown that people who don't have jobs sleep in more. They become more depressed because they don't have a feeling, a sense of belonging or mattering. So you have to have an ego to believe that you matter. You have to have an ego to believe that you do something, but you shouldn't. Your ideas are not yours. I did a podcast on this, I think, five years ago, Blue Minds, which was that your ideas are not yours. At least yet. Maybe a little bit elbow, right? For like I'm sitting down here and it's like I'm in a box and I can kind of nudge it. There's even a book um, by Daniel Lynette about free will, elbow room, free will worth having, right? So the idea is like you just like you're in a little box and you kind of move. So your ideas are kind of yours like a little bit, but your morality is cultural based. If you grew up in the West, you have certain cultural values. If you didn't grow up in the West, you have other cultural values. In, in many cases, these are extreme. A great example is if you live in, uh, like I live in Vietnam, and I would talk to Westerners who would go there and they'd all be like, well, I'd be like, well, you know, they do business there and they go, I don't want to say this. It seems, you know, politically incorrect or whatever, but around here, like a person's word just doesn't mean anything in business. And here's what I mean by that. In the West, if you and I talk and we have a deal, in your mind, you're going to shape the deal to your favor. In my mind, I'm going to shape the deal to my favor. But we just, we agree in concept that we had a deal, right? You might at the margins in your own mind, because again, cognitive dissonance kicks in. So it isn't even if you're being dishonest. You're just like, well, certain of it said I could have this, this, and that. And I only got this and this and not that. And on my own mind, I'm like, what is he talking about? I only said he could have this and I only said he could have this. So I'm giving him this and this, which is more than he even asked for. How dare he, right? But but in concept, we agree we had a deal. In the Eastern world, you have a deal, but they're just like, what are you talking about? We didn't have a deal. We just didn't even have a deal. I didn't even know what you're talking about. What, you know, we never even had that conversation. It's just completely different. And But you can adapt to that, and there are ways to adapt to that. So, so business gets done in Vietnam a lot. Business gets done in China a lot. But you just have to know that these culture values are deep. So if you're on the West and you go over there, you're like freaking out, but then you adapt. I, I, I even gave the example where I would drive these motorbikes and it's hard to explain unless you're there in Vietnam, but you should watch footage of people on motos, these moto scooters. It's terrifying. Um, when I was learning to drive or to ride, whatever you call it, it's terrible. Like you, you think you're going to get in a wreck and you don't. 
But then if you try to be all aggressive and pass people, that doesn't work either. So you just flow, flow. Very hard to explain until you're in it. Then you're just part of this hive of moto bikes and everybody's just flowing. But when I tried to fight it at first with my Western mind, why are these people doing this? Why are these people zig, 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 very individualistic. It didn't work, right? It was a different culture. And in, in, in many ways, I liked it. It was kind of nice to just, you know, it's like flowing water or something. So that's not to say one is right is wrong. It's just to say that your identity is wrapped up in cultural values that you didn't create, right? You didn't create those. They were just put in your mind along with your ideas and your beliefs about the world. Thus, if you've been shown, if you discover you have an incorrect belief, the answer is, oh, okay. I'm glad to get this garbage out of my mind. That's how I view it. Oh God, I got, I had a bug in the operating system, right? Sort of like if you have a computer and you try to power it on and there's a bug in it, you just be like, I want to get this fixed. But when you have a virus in your own mind, you don't want to say, oh, I have a virus in my mind. Cause then you'd be like, well, how did I let it in? Then it becomes like a, a fight with your ego. Whereas the way I look at it, I'm like, oh man, I need to defrag my mind or debug it. I have these bad ideas running and I'm upgrading my software. And that's why I was talking about the mindset is you're just upgrading your software. Oh, great. New, new operating software, just new and improved. I believe this and I was just completely and totally wrong. And I still have those realizations. By the way, it does keep your mind fresh and young. A lot of people say, certain of you have a great memory. In many ways, I have a terrible memory. Ask Sean or anybody who knows me, in many ways, my memory is like bizarrely bad, but I have very, like, for example, I can, you know, Daniel Kahneman, Thinking Fast and Slow, I can contextualize that book that I read, loop it into When Prophecy Fails, which I read 15 years ago, and I remembered Norm Pattis recommended it and the sociopath. So I can, I conceptually have all these memories because those are my operating system. So I'm learning, okay, my ego, I'm, I'm really angry. Like late, I was very depressed uh, six weeks ago. I can't tell you why, but I found out something about a person that I would have trusted with my life. And I'm not going to go into it now because I'm handling it in a, in a way that's going to be very, quite frankly, devastating to this person. But not my wife, not my kids. You know, if you're listening, it's not about you. It's just, you know, it's not you if you're listening, if you're my friend. But the, um, but I was physically depressed. And the if I didn't have Wim Hof breathing, I probably would have had an anxiety attack. But when <laughs> I felt those short breaths coming in, I just, the Wim Hof breathing software, right? Whereas before, I would have just said, before I had the software 10 years ago, I just said, oh, you're stressing out, man. You're weak. Quit being weak, which isn't the right software that doesn't actually work. So instead, I'm just, new software program runs, breathing, okay. But it was still very much a bummer, very much a downer. And rather than deny reality, I just accepted it. And you, because oftentimes accepting reality is accepting the pain of a situation. This is what cognitive dissonance is designed to avoid is to prevent you from ever feeling any pain because you effed up or because you got played, right? A lot of false rape accusations actually arisen from what you would consider very shady, inappropriate conduct, not criminal though. Just a guy being a scumbag, right? That's one every lawyer listening to this, women included, they'll they'll tell you, you know, I know so many women lawyers, I'm feminist, but I've handled some sexual assault cases, and you know, 
I just, you know, and that's in their own mind cognitive dissonance because you want to believe women, and I think we should believe women in many cases. But then again, I don't think we should believe men all the time either, right? Because men lie, da da da. Different conversation. But you just, people don't want to admit, all of us, even in business, like, oh, I just got played, I just got cheated, or in your personal life, that friend just backstabbed me, right? Or whatever the case may be, you don't want to believe it because that hurts. So to protect yourself, you live a lie, and then eventually the lie collapses, and then you really get crushed, right? That's the benefit of self-development and understanding the cognitive dissonances that in a way, there's no choice, really. You're either going to deal with some emotional pain as you upgrade your software on your terms, or the lie is going to crush you and completely destroy you. And then you're going to have to just rebuild in a way that is going to set you back years. And the reason you don't want to ever have setbacks that set you back years, then you got to catch up. And in life, most gains are compounded gains. Most most gains are, I have five good friends and they have five good friends and they have five good friends. Five times five times five is what's your social network, right? So if you if you lose three of your friends early on because of a lie, or rather if you, you don't lose three people who are friends who are shady early enough, then you don't build up three good friends. So now your social network's gonna be much weaker. Did that, did that make sense? So let me let me explain. So let's say you're your young person especially. When you get to my age and older, there's just people I can call. I mean, you wouldn't believe it. The people, if I said the people that I could call, well, I mean, if you've been following me for years, you would believe it. But if you're just like new here, you'd be like, oh God, uh, you know, you're rolling your eyes. But if you've been here for a long time, you just know there's people I can call. Why? Because as a young man, I weeded my garden. Read the book, The Little Prince. You have to weed your garden every day. I weeded my garden. If you were a friend that I knew for years, but you were a scumbag, you made a scumbag move, you're gone. Why? Because the energy and effort to that false friend is preventing me from having a reliable contact, reliable ally. And those reliable allies have reliable allies. And your connection becomes right six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. So if you have five really strong friends, and you're very lucky if you have five, right? And I have probably more just because of my mindset work at scale and everything. But if you have five, like just solid bros, if you have 10, you're just like living the dream. But let's say you have five. Well, each of those five people, as they level up in life, they're going to have a network of five people each too, right? So you could say, oh, I need somebody who can do this thing. You can't do it or they can't do it, but they'll know somebody who can. So you're, you're, and that compounds over life because then everybody levels up. You get the promotion. So suddenly the people you're friends with who, you know, started out making $40,000 a year at, um, you know, wherever at some bank, well, now they're senior VP or something. But it's very hard to make friends with somebody at that level afresh. So you want to make them when you're young and then everything compounds and everything amplifies. And then your law becomes, or your um, Metcalf's law, that's why I said law, under Metcalf's law, you see the power of the network mathematically. So get it out of your mind that your ideas are yours. You just, you have a software, you have mental software running at all times, whether you know it or not, mental models, Charlie Munger calls them, but you have mental software running all of the time. Some of that software is helpful and useful. Some of that software is 
not useful is in fact harmful. And when you pluck bad ideas out of your mind, you're just getting rid of them. And that isn't you. It's not a reflection of you. It's just a reflection of your cleaning it up, cleaning up your mind, living a better life. Thanks for listening. Mike Cernovich, C-E-R-N-O-V-I-C-H.com. And if you didn't catch it at the beginning, GM10 at checkout for GorillaMind.com to save 10% on your full order. The best focus, clarity, creativity. I've had in a very long time thanks to Gorilla Mind Rush. You can get that at GorillaMind.com and you can save 10% with coupon code GM10.